Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm Drew Shelley, one of the pastors here. It is our hope and prayer that the message you hear today will help you connect deeply with the love of God we know in Jesus. Also, we'd love to connect with you so that we can share life and faith together. If you'd like more information about this church family, or if you want us to contact you, you can visit our website, fumcm.org, or you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at FUMC Borough. If you're looking for a place to belong, we have that place for you in one of our classes or small groups, as a part of one of our mission teams, or in either our modern or traditional worship services, which both meet at 1015 on Sunday mornings. First United Methodist Church is a warm and welcoming community of people committed to the idea of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know Him, love Him, and serve Him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. We hope this week's message helps you in your own personal journey towards knowing, loving, and serving Jesus in your life. Thank you, Ben. Our gospel lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 2, beginning with the 22nd verse through the 38th verse. And you may notice we are skipping ahead a little bit in our story of Jesus' birth. We haven't yet heard the Christmas Eve story, and here we are reading what happens just after the Christmas Eve story. But it is right that we should hear it today on this Sunday of love and think about what it means in our lives. And so let us hear the word of God. When the time came for their purification, meaning Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel." And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. 
There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Then, as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to, to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Don't you wonder sometimes where Luke heard all these stories about Jesus' birth? He wasn't there. Don't you wonder how he found out about how Jesus was born? I feel sure Mary whispered this story to Dr. Luke in those three days between Jesus' death and resurrection, a mother trying to process her grief, playing the tape of her son's life over and over and over again to anybody who would listen. She remembers for Luke taking her precious baby boy to the temple 33 years ago. She remembers that. She remembers the outfit that he had on. It was blue. It had his name embroidered on the front, God with us, it said. God with us, kind of a big shirt that he had on. She remembers this beautiful old woman who lived in the temple. Her name was Anna from the lost tribes of Israel. Anna was so happy to see Jesus telling everybody about the baby. Mary remembers it all to Dr. Luke. She remembers Simeon's words, and a sword will pierce your own soul too, a sword. It has finally happened. Mary's soul is pierced in a way that only a parent who buries a child can ever know. She is remembering and now waiting to see what God will do about the death of God's only son. We know about waiting for God too, don't we? We know what that's like. We wait for God to answer prayers. We wait for guidance. We wait for a sign. We wait for God to act for good when it seems evil will overrun us all. We wait for miracles and divine intervention and assurance that God is at work somehow in this world. We wait. We wait for healing and peace deep down in our souls when it seems it will never come. We know about waiting. Old Simeon, Simeon, Simeon knew about waiting too. God told him he would not die until he saw the consolation of Israel. He is an old man now. He's been waiting a long time. You know how it is when you have to wait for something. The longer you have to wait, the more you get in your mind exactly how that thing is going to work out. And the more you get in your mind about how that thing is going to work out, the more sure you are about your idea of how it's going to work out. So much so that you can't see that it could happen any other way by the time you get through waiting for that thing to actually happen. That's Simeon. He's there. We know how that is too. Our prayers so often bounce from angrily telling God what to do to desperate pleas for hope and patience in the waiting. 
We say, we believe, Lord, help our unbelief. We follow it up with, thy will be done. Thy will be done, not mine. Surely Simeon is tired from the waiting, from the praying, from that endless, endless work. It makes me think of a friend I had, Dr. Bill. Dr. Bill was 90. He had been on hospice twice. He got kicked off the first time. Do you know what you have to do to get kicked off a hospice? Live, that's right. He just kept on living. Some of his friends called me one day at the church and said, you got to go see Bill right now. He's got questions. He, he wants to talk. He needs to see a preacher. You better get over there as fast as you can. I said, okay, I'll go right now. They said, you better go right now before he dies. You don't want this on your hands. That's what they said. I got myself together, I got my Bible, and I had a little prayer book that I took with me, and I got to thinking about maybe he, maybe he needs to have a confession. I've heard a lot of deathbed confessions in my time, and you have to get yourself ready for those because you hear things that you don't expect to hear, and nobody wants to see a surprised preacher when they pour their heart out on. So I got worked through what he might say from 80 years ago or 70 years ago or whatever, and I got, got all that together. I, I thought, well, maybe he'll need to make a profession of faith. And so I, I checked the baptismal record at the church, and it was very unclear. I said, well, I'll take, my, I'll take some water. Uh, I'll take some communion. I'll take some anointing oil. I had a whole box full of stuff to go with me over to his house. I was ready for a very intense spiritual conversation with Dr. Bill. I kind of had in my mind how that was going to go. When I got over there, his sweet wife let me in, and she just kind of disappeared so that we could talk. I said, Bill, I, I hear you want to talk. He said, yeah, yeah, I got a question. I said, well, Bill, we can talk about anything you want. Anything? Yes, sir, anything, whatever you want to talk about. He said, well, I got troubles. And I, I couldn't help myself. I said, Bill, are you afraid to die? He said, no, no, I'm not afraid to die. No, I got troubles. I, I said, well, are, are, you, are you right with God? And he said, what, what do you mean am I right with God? I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. I've been going to your church 30 years. If I'm not right with God, it's probably your fault. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, what, what is it? What's, what's on your mind, Bill? And he finally came out with it. He closed his eyes and he said, Preacher, I can't die. <laughs> I can't die. That's what's wrong. I just can't die. I've been trying to die for months. I tried holding my breath. I tried smothering myself with this pillow. I even sat outside in 30-degree weather for five hours hoping I would freeze to death, and nothing has happened. I just can't die. I just can't die. I just, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. That's what Bill said. Simeon, Simeon surely was ready to go home. But he, he couldn't die until he saw the consolation of Israel. What is the consolation of Israel? What is that? We have to remember Father Abraham. We have to go way back. God's promise to God's people from the beginning that they will be blessed in order to bless the world, that they will be given a name, that they will be given home, home. For generations, God's people have been trying to find home. They think they find it, but they don't. 
they make a deal with this devil and then with that devil, and we're at home. No, we're not at home. We just realize we're not at home. We're a lot further from home than we thought we were. If we could just get home, it's their hunger. If we could just get home, they finally get home, and they find out home is overrun by the Romans. They're at home, and somehow it's still not home. They're still not home. They are still enslaved. If we look at our world today, much of the struggle that we see is about homelessness. Now, I'm not talking about not having a house. Lots of people have houses. Some people have big, fine houses. Other people have two or three or four houses. I'm not talking about not having a house. Few people in our world have home. When you don't have home, why? You're just wandering around from place to place, aren't you? Not real sure who you are. Not real sure if you are loved, wanted, if you are somebody or not, if you have a purpose or not. We are, we are homeless in that way. Simeon and Anna are talking about home. Simeon has been waiting to see home for a very long time. On this morning in Luke chapter 2, he wakes up. I am sure, with his usual prayer for the consolation of Israel. And he moves on to the upper room devotion for the day. Anybody do the upper room devotion for the day? He does his upper room and then he has his breakfast. He eats his oatmeal and reads his paper, thinking about his day. And somewhere, somewhere between sips of coffee, he feels compelled, called, driven, driven to go down to that temple. He doesn't understand. And finally, his mind clicks and he realizes could this be the day? Could this be the day I see the consolation? Could this be the day I get to go home? Could it be? He hurries, he hurries like only an old man can through the crowded streets, fending off the beggars, passing by the people selling overpriced sacrificial animals at the temple, and their junior salespeople working the fake Rolexes and Gucci bags that they surely had too. And he climbs those steps up to God's home. He gets to the top. He pauses to catch his breath, and he whispers a prayer, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. How will I no, I see no great crowd. I see no warrior king in flowing purple robes. The sky is not split in two. I hear no trumpets. I see no oppressors falling dead in the street. No one here looks like Moses or Elijah. There is no staff turning into a snake, no parting of the Red Sea. I see no chariots of fire. How will I know? Suddenly I feel the Holy Spirit guiding me to this child this baby. That can't be right. That can't be right. We're expecting a David. We're expecting a Solomon. Power, might, riches, glory, all of that. This, this is a baby. This is a little baby. And these are poor people that no one here even notices. They couldn't even afford a proper lamb for their sacrifice. Had to use two turtle doves. Maybe if I can just hold this baby for a minute, I'll understand. Mother, I know you don't know me. Excuse me, mother. Could I, could I hold your baby? Can't you see Mary and Joseph looking at each other in that moment? 
Here they are in this crazy place. The whole thing is crazy. The sights, the sounds, the, the smells, the rules, the sacrifices. It's like a barbecue joint set up in the middle of the sanctuary. Here they are, and now, now this old man wants to hold our baby. Joseph, we don't even know who he is. Joseph says, Mary, it's, it's okay, Mary. He's old. He's okay. He looks a little bit like a Santa Claus that hadn't had enough cookies. Just let him hold the baby, Mary. Just give him the baby. We'll see what happens. So they give, they give Jesus to Simeon, or do they give Simeon to Jesus? It's hard to tell which. Suddenly, Simeon's hopes are fulfilled. The Holy Spirit in him, holding Jesus the Son in the presence of God the Father. They're all there. They're all there, the Trinity, three in one, one in three. Simeon closes his eyes and sees the future. The words come like streams of living water. Master, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace just like you said you would. My eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared beforehand in the presence of all the people, a light for revelation to those who don't yet know they are your people, and a light for glory to those who already know they are your people. Mary and Joseph marvel as his words gather up the last 10 or 11 months. The angels, the shepherds, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they are more sure now than ever that their child is God's own son. We marvel at Simeon's words too. This old story peels back another layer of what God is doing in the world. This is the Son of God. This really is the Son of God. And with his birth, God's home is opened to the whole world. We realize that this story we love so much is the story of God loving the hell out of the world forever and ever and ever, and that we are featured on today's page of a story still being written. Simeon has been waiting for this moment for a lifetime. And so have we. So have we. Simeon blesses Mary and Joseph and the baby with this strange and painful blessing. This child is destined for the rising and falling of many in Israel to be a sign that will be opposed by many so that their inner thoughts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I'm sure they didn't know whether to thank him or slap him for saying such a terrible thing about this baby and about Mary. Probably couldn't even process his words in that moment. But we begin to see even at the beginning of Jesus' life, that God's work of making home is not going to be an easy task. There are always those who don't want home, who don't want saving, whose inner thoughts don't want revealing, who would rather slink about in the darkness rather than stand vulnerable and real in the light. There will always be those of us who want to make God in our image so that we can stay in control and keep hidden that which we would like to keep hidden. There will always be those of us who are just afraid to go home. What if we don't belong? 
What if we don't fit in? What if we don't know all the rules? I think we'll just wait out here until somebody comes to get us. Maybe that'll be okay. God's work of making home is not easy. But if we can ever just get home, we will find all the waiting, all the work, all the prayer, all the worship will have been worth it. Simeon, Anna, and Dr. Bill, I'm sure they can tell us what it is to find the consolation of home. I wonder now if they wouldn't tell us what Luke is really saying. It has never been about us finding home. That's not what it's about. In this baby, you see, home has found us. It is love that is strong enough to believe the best about each other and about this whole world until it becomes true, no matter how long that takes. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Amen. Amen.